sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. The following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope on anything you like. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. You could stick me out in like the Sahara Desert and say, here, go dig up some old bones. I'd be into that. But one of the others is uh, as a game show host. I always, always wanted to be a game show host. I thought that was the greatest job in the world. It's Opposite Picks with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Opposite Picks on Sports Grid Radio, right here on Sirius XM Channel 204 and your local radio affiliate on this Monday, January 18th. Here is truly Scott Wetzel sitting in for the next two glorious hours, taking your phone calls at 844-843-6879. Again, that's toll-free, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to my website, oppositepicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. Throw some emails, tweets, phone calls, a little YouTube chat as well, I suppose, right here on an Opposite Picks Monday, January 18th, Martin Luther King Day. For all those that have today off, congratulations. Sit back, enjoy the day. Uh, honor the great Martin Luther King and, and, uh, and sit back and enjoy Opposite Picks for a couple of hours as well. Uh, a battle of the Bays. Uh, Kansas City wins the battle, but maybe loses the war. Heimlich maneuver on Pat Mahomes. Uh, who won this game? Breeze set to sail away. Lions hire who? The gift of giving. Brown out in Baltimore. And uh, could the breaks finally be going Buffalo's way? We'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets right here on a Monday, January 18th. What's up, LLs, loyal listeners? How are you on this uh, Monday? Again, Martin Luther King Day. Boy, a couple of good uh, football games yesterday. A little bit better than what we had on Saturday. <clears throat> Although neither one, none of them, I, I should say, were like, you know, riveting. Um, you know, the Browns-Kansas City one, when everything was said and done, probably was the, the most uh, intensified as far as who was going to win at the very end. Uh, other than that, you know, once uh, Tampa Bay went up two scores, you knew that with five minutes left, that one was over. You know, and same thing on Saturday. You know, the games were competitive, but uh, I never really thought the Packers were going to lose. And then once Buffalo got up, and then once Lamar Jackson went out of the uh, Buffalo-Baltimore game, then that one was over as well. So, oddly enough, the one that had the biggest point spread, Kansas City is a 10-point favorite over Cleveland, uh, ended up being the one that had all the dramatics in the end. So, we'll start with uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, though. That was the late game. <clears throat> as the Bucks do win it 30-20. to 20. Probable last game for Drew Brees, but you never know. Listen, he may, you know, he said he's going to take some time afterwards. All the uh, optics, we'll say, you know, good term from uh, 19, uh, from uh, 2019, uh, pointed towards Drew Brees, you know, retiring. It, it, you know, he's on the field for the longest time afterwards. He's on the field with his wife, and they're, and they're kind of like going over everything and just hanging out and, you know, you saw him when he walked off the field, um, you know, several times he, he um, you know, he uh, looked back on the field. It was like really kind of like, wow, okay, that that's a little weird. Um, you know, why would you do that unless you knew that, you know, this was going to be your last time? So I, I would, just from what we saw yesterday, I would be surprised if he came back. But you never know. Well, listen, 
he may get home, you know, be home with the wife and the kids and the yelling and the screaming and the nagging. And he's sitting there, you know, two weeks from now. He's like, gee, what am I going to do with myself? You know, am I going to go play football uh, uh, with the guys or am I going to hang around here and pick out curtains? Bagels and Matt, or uh, excuse me, opposite picks on, on a Monday morning, uh, January 18th. Here's truly Scott Wetzel sitting in as we welcome in our full audience. Yeah, so just breaking down, getting underway here. Tampa Bay, uh, 30 to 20 over New Orleans. So who knows? Anyone that says they know, you know, I don't think, I really don't think Drew Brees knows. I think he is leaning towards retirement. Again, by watching him after the game. Um, I'm not going to put in too much him hanging out with Tom Brady. There was a little video of him and Brady hanging out after the game with uh, with uh, Breeze's wife and the kids there. I think he would have done that regardless. But again, you know, having him look back on the field a couple of times and look up in the stands, and you can see he was reflecting on this could be his last game. But he may think he's retiring. He wasn't set to announce it yesterday. And I, you, you just never know. Yeah, you, you never know. I, I will say it, it might be time for him to retire. I hate when guys say, "Oh, this guy should retire." I mean, he's still effective. He's still pretty good. He can still win football games. There's no two da- ways about that. But I don't know if you're going to win a championship with Drew Brees. I mean, they couldn't throw the football yesterday at all. It really wasn't a yesterday thing either. It was, you know, they just don't throw the ball down the field. I mean, I I don't know how. As good a coach as Sean Payton is, and I'm not a big Sean Payton fan, but I'll acknowledge he's a pretty good head coach. I don't know how you don't get Michael Thomas to football one time. One time. You're talking about one of the best wide receivers in the game. Now, he's been hurt all season thanks to uh, good old Sean Payton keeping him in a blowout game against Atlanta at the beginning of the year, and he got hurt towards the tail end of the game, but he had no business being in there. But that all said, he is back. And they didn't get him one target. Now, he's a deep threat, uh, so we'll start there. That just goes to show with Breeze's inability to throw the ball deep. I I mean, that's just remarkable to me that he didn't have one reception. So, and this has been a, you know, really a season-long thing for New Orleans. Breeze just can't throw it deep. You know, for everything that people were saying last year about Brady not being able to throw the ball deep, that's what they're now saying about Drew Breeze. And as much, you know, Brady did respond, you know, he led the league in deep passes, believe it or not. So I, I'm not saying Breeze maybe necessarily can't go back to that style next year, but I I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I think Breeze uh, is a product of his arm strength going away. I think Brady was a product of his wide receivers being lousy in the Patriots last year. So lots to get into. We'll break down, break down both games and then uh, Saturday's games as well. We'll preview next weekend's championship games. All on a Monday right here on Opposite sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com From the three, Brady throws, pass caught, Evans touchdown. Tampa Bay on top as he works. At Fox Sports with the call yesterday as the Buccaneers uh, rally and beat the New Orleans Saints 30-20 to to move into the NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. Lines are out already, as you would suspect. 
Although with Kansas City and Pat Mahomes, you know, being up in the air, maybe you wouldn't suspect that line being out. But it is. Uh, and right now it's uh, three and three and a half for both games. You got uh, Green Bay as a three and a half point favorite over Tampa Bay. Uh, with an over-under set at 51. That's going to be your first game next Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern time or thereabouts, a couple of minutes afterwards. And then uh, Buffalo at Kansas City, that line is 3 with an over-under of 54.5 set for a 6.40 or so Eastern time start. So you'll see what Mahomes – I would be surprised if Mahomes didn't play. We'll get into that stuff. Uh, but first up, we'll break down the Tampa Bay Green Bay. And then our poll question is out. Scott Wetzel sitting in, as we always do, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time right here on Sports Grid Radio on uh, Sirius XM Channel 204, our new home among your local affiliates. Uh, simple poll question, you know, popcorn radio at its finest. Uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl? You know, we got the team set. You got the Flublow Bills. You got the Kansas City Chefs. You got the Green Bay Packers. And you got Brady's boys. Uh, go to your opposite picks feed and uh, just put it out there and uh, get your vote in. And right now, early on, very early, it's uh, 40% for Brady's boys with Tampa Bay. Uh, but get your vote in. We'll update that a few times before we are through for sure. So, uh, O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, picks P-I-C-K-S. Yeah, listen, turning point of the game, you know, no two ways about it. You know, it, it, turning points in both games, really, uh, but especially so with Tampa Bay. New Orleans leading at 20 to 13, late third quarter. They're driving, they're right around midfield, they're in control, and they throw a long pass, complete to Cook, uh, Jared Cook, to tight end, and he fumbles the football. And with that, Saints' chances went out the window. Tampa Bay recovers. They go down the field about 50 yards after the defense back returned it deep inside Tampa Bay territory. They score a touchdown and a game that at worst should have been New Orleans leading by 10 points if they kick a field goal and maybe even 14 if they score a touchdown. Should have been a 10-point Saints lead heading into the fourth quarter. Ball game over. Instead, it was a 20-20 game. And the momentum shifted like that. Just like, not that the, the Bucs were ever out of it, but that was without a shadow of a doubt the difference in the game. Even more so than, than Kansas City, which we'll get to. But again, Saints driving, leading, in control. Tampa Bay was playing from behind the whole way. And that fumble set themselves up Did uh, for the Buccaneers in great field position. They score a touchdown. And instead of being down double digits, two scores, they actually have a tie game. Saints next possession, interception. Um, and that led to another uh, field goal for Tampa Bay. So it's 23-20. Next Saints possession, interception again, Breeze's third of the day. That led to a Tom Brady quarterback sneak. And, Jay, and really, just like a flip of a light switch. Just a flip of a light switch. You know, New Orleans went from leading 20 to 13 and having the football right around midfield to trailing 30 to 20, ball game over. And it was as simple as that. So, and then another interception sealed the deal, and that was it for uh, for New Orleans. And Tampa Bay advances on. Remarkable. Breeze ends up throwing three picks. Saints turn the football over four times. But again, oddly enough, you know, it was the one other Saints turnover that I really pointed to. Not necessarily the interceptions, although obviously they didn't help. Uh, and they were still in a position to rally and, and get the win. But it, it was the cook fumble that really, that was the dagger. I, I tell you, it's amazing. Every year, the Saints can always point to something, right? I mean, they just don't lose playoff games. There's always, you know, the Hail Mary or bad call, you know, or this fumble when they're in control. It's just just not meant to be for that football team. It's amazing. You know, they, they win in the regular season. They're one of, uh, you know, the best teams in, in all of football, not just the NFC. They sweep through the NFC South. 
First time that's ever been done. Not that that division's been around for that long, but still. And they, they, you know, they beat Tampa Bay handily twice in a regular season, including the last time by 30-plus points at Tampa, and they can't win. I mean, they, they can't beat Case Keenum. You know, that they can't beat a broken-down old Tom Brady, a club they whipped twice. I mean, it just wasn't meant to be for some reason with this New Orleans Saints team come postseason time. I mean, it really is, you know, it's, it's you know, yeah, I don't like putting people in their graves here, but it, it just does seem time for the Saints to wave the white flag and just say, you know what, we tried, we failed, we we, we just we just can't win. I, I, I don't know what it is with Drew Brees. You know, it's not like he hasn't won before. He's got a Super Bowl ring, but... He's been on a lot of good teams that just have not gotten it done in the postseason. And this was just another year. It's just amazing. It's just remarkable. And and they really, that they should have been leading by much more than what they were. You know, the first two field goals when it was only 6 nothing. you know, you let a team like that hang around, kind of like the Browns yesterday, you know. Kansas City should have been winning that football game by 20-plus points. But you let a good team, as these teams are, hang around and hang around and hang around. And they're going to perform. They're going to get themselves back into it. It's it's a rarity nowadays in the NFL where you could beat a team from start to finish. Even in the regular season. You know, take the two worst teams and the two best teams and match them up, and you're going to get two pretty good games. You will. You don't generally get these start-to-finish clunkers. You just don't anymore. So when, when Tampa Bay was hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, it just left the opportunity there for them to get uh, back in it and win the game, and that's what happened. So if you're a Bucks or if you're a you know, if you're a Bucks fan, you got to be thrilled. You know, Brady does it again. You look at the numbers, though. You know, if I told you, I love playing this game. If I told you, Saints fan, that you would hold Tom Brady to 199 yards passing, 199, you'd hold Leonard Fournette to 63 yards uh, rushing, you'd hold Ronald Jones to 62 yards rushing, you'd hold Mike Evans to one reception for three yards, one You'd hold Antonio Brown to one reception for 10 yards. You'd hold Rob Gronkowski to one reception for 14 yards. And I told you, you won the football game and scored 30 points, oh, by the way, in the process. I, I, I think you'd be thrilled to death and say, no way, not possible. Not, not just, just not possible. If, if I gave you those numbers and said, would you take them? You no, know, there's not a Buck fan out there that would say, yeah, yeah, I'll, okay. You know what? I like my chances with those uh, numbers. But that's what turnovers do, and that's what short fields do. Brady goes 18 of 33 for a buck 99. Two touchdowns, though, plus he ran for one, no interceptions, and sacked only one time. And, you know, sometimes sacks aren't indicative of the pressure that the opposing team has. That was. They really didn't touch Brady. Just like, I tell you, that offensive line, two weeks in a row, they went up against, you know, a bad Washington team, but a, a Washington team that's got a pretty good defensive line with all those first-round draft choices, Chase Young and everyone, and they didn't breathe on Brady. You know, New Orleans a little bit more yesterday, but not that much. You know, the Saints got a very good defense. I won't even say pretty good. They got a very good defense. We know Washington's got a very good defense. And, you know, they they gave Tom Brady all the time in the world to throw the football. And they opened up some lanes. Wasn't great. You know, they ran for 127 yards. Uh, you know, it's less than four yards a carry, right around three and a half. But it was an effective 127. They just put the bottom line. They didn't have to, you know, go very far. You know, when asked to go 35, 40, 50 yards because of a short field, they were able to do it, and they scored. But, yeah, buck 99 for Brady, one reception for Evans, one for Antonio Brown, and one for Gronk. I mean, three receptions 
out of their main three. So who caught the football, Scott? You know, it was the Leonard Fournette show. That's who it was. Uh, you know, the Saints, I guess, concentrated on Gronk and Antonio and, and Evans. They took those guys away. Godwin had four receptions, but it was uh, Fournette running the ball, 17 carries, and Fournette catching the ball out of the backfield, five receptions for 44 yards, including one touchdown reception. He was the man. And, and Cameron Brait. And I, I would have told you Cameron Brait and Leonard Fournette would be your leading receivers. I don't think you'd believe that either. But they, it was a strange statistical sort of game for Tampa Bay. You know, Breeze didn't play well. Kamara did okay, 85 yards. But the number that stands out, again, Michael Thomas, no reception. Boy, you just, you got to get him to football. He didn't touch the ball one time yesterday. How is that possible? Well, that's an awful job by Sean Payne. That's what that is. All right, opposite picks on this Monday, Martin Luther King Day. More coming up and check out the other index. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Running the option. Keeps it. Oh, that is close. I think they're going to mark him a little short. Oh, no. That's Mac Wilson. He's down, Jim. Uh-oh. Oh, Jim. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. He is absolutely dizzy. Oh, my gosh, Joe. Oh. See it in his eyes. Dizzy, all right. That, that's for sure. Uh, CBS Sports, Jim Nance and uh, Tony Romo uh, with the call yesterday in Kansas City's 22-17 win. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting in this Monday morning, Martin Luther King Day, taking you right up until five, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern time, as we always do, 5 to 7 a.m. Monday through Friday, Sundays from uh, 8 to 10 a.m. right here on uh, Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204, among your local radio affiliates around the nation. So, Kansas City wins 22-17, and, and by far the most dramatic game of the uh, weekend as the Browns blow it. It's as simple as that. You know, they had every opportunity in the world. Mahomes leaves the game uh, for Kansas City in the third quarter. He gets hit on that play, and, and which is a dumb call. As much as I appreciate Andy Reid's aggressiveness, that call made no sense. I'll get to that in a second. But down he goes. Got clung around his neck. Not really hitting the head. Uh, but as I was, uh, you know, telling uh, my family as we were watching the game, you know, it doesn't. Ne- you don't have to get necessarily hit in the head. Uh, you get whacked in the neck like he did, and, and horse collar down to the ground, basically. Um, you know, it, it's it's gonna hurt. Little whiplash there. So Mahomes goes out. Uh, cannot return, and that was that for Pat, and it's seemingly enough for Kansas City. I thought they made a couple of mistakes, even though they won the football game. One, all right, at the time they're leading it, and they get the football, they get a chance, they're up nine to expand the lead. They're faced with fourth and one deep inside Cleveland territory, and they go for the field goal. They make it to go up 12, 22, 10 at that point. I thought that was a mistake because I know what their probable thinking was. Their thinking probably was, well, you know, even if Cleveland scores two touchdowns here, we still only need a field goal to win the game, which is, you know, nice to know. But my thinking was, and this was basically right after Mahomes went out on that drive, 
My thinking was, you know, you're up nine. You score a touchdown here and go up three scores. Any kind of great feeling that Cleveland may have had thinking, okay, you know what? We got a chance here with Mahomes out. Probably would have been thrown out the window because they would have been down three scores. And, you know, we need three scores in one quarter. It might happen, but, eh, you know, you never really can count on that. I think that left Cleveland in the game, you know, because if you go for it, and it was right around the 15-yard line. It was fourth and one, one and a half. If you go for it and you don't make it, you're still up two scores. You're still up nine points. It's not like you're only up one and that field goal made it a two-score game. If that was the case, then you absolutely kicked the field goal. But the fact that you were already still up nine, you're still up two scores, and, and by you kicking a field goal, you're really keeping Cleveland in it, and Cleveland's going to walk off the field saying to themselves, you know what, we won. We, we, we won this battle. We're, we're still only down two scores. As I've told you guys many, 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 many times, it's not as crazy as it sounds. It's not the score. It's how many scores you're down. When you get into the, the second half, it's not necessarily, okay, we're going from 9 to 12. Boy, that makes sense. Go for it, right? Because now they need a field goal and a, and a touchdown. No, it's how many scores are you up? And that kept Cleveland within two scores, uh, down only 12. I would have rolled the dice. As much as Andy Reid is a gambler, I thought he was going to roll the dice as well because he did go for it earlier on fourth and one, and he made it. Um, I, I would have done it again and really tried to put the uh, the stamp on the Browns. Instead, they kicked a field goal, keep Cleveland in it. Cleveland scores. Uh, they cut the lead to uh, 22-17, and, uh, you know, there you go. And then he had the final play. Let's go back to the first half with Rashard Higgins. We'll get it out of the way. If you didn't see the game, Higgins makes a nice little catch, dies for the goal line. We see this in every single football game, basically. Uh, instead of scoring a touchdown, he loses control of the ball. Ball rolls into the end zone and then out of bounds. Now, we've discussed this before, and you should know LL's my view on this. It makes no sense to me why the defense gets the football. And not that I am calling for the offense to get the ball. I just want the NFL to explain it. Because if Rashard Higgins fumbles the ball at the you know 50-yard line and it goes out of bounds, offense keeps the ball. If he fumbles the football in the red zone, out of bounds, offense keeps the ball. If he fumbles at the one-inch line and the ball goes out of bounds, offense keeps the ball. If he fumbles in the end zone, though, and it goes out of bounds, defense gets the ball. I I, I just want to know the NFL's thinking on why. Well, why, if it's in play, does the offense get it? But if it goes through the end zone, the defense gets it. Why why are why are the offense being penalized for that, but they're not, you know, in the playing field? I, I don't you know, I know why rules are in place. I get the angles. I may not like them, but I understand what they're thinking. I don't understand that thinking. What what I don't know why just because where the ball's being fumbled should determine who gets the football. You know, what would you do then, Scott? I would do it like you would normally do. Put put it back to the line of scrimmage. You know, put it back to the point of the fumble. You know, if, if uh, Rashad Higgins fumbles the football at the Cleveland forty yard line, uh, and the ball goes out of bounds at the Cleveland forty three yard line, the ball gets brought back to the Cleveland forty yard line. Same thing here. If he fumbles the football and it happens to go out of bounds, and the defense isn't good enough to recover it, then bring it back to the point of where he fumbled it. I, I mean, you know, I don't I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Don't get it. I, I just don't get it. Uh, but those are the rules, or that's the rule. If, if you fumble it, it goes through the end zone, out of bounds, it goes to the defense. 
Uh, at the 20-yard line. Not even at the point of the fumble. It, it goes to the 20-yard line touchback, basically. So that that's weird to me. You know, that came 16-3 late first half. Now, that, you know, if you want to point to that as a key play, obviously it was a key play. It was a, it was a big miss for Cleveland. However, I will remind you that, you know, Mahomes was still in the game at that point, and there was a minute and a half left on the clock. Had they scored, it would have been 16-10. For those who think, okay, well, you know, instead of being uh, down 16-10 at halftime, Kansas City gets the football. They end up kicking a field goal before the half, and they're down 19-3. That's a big swing. But that is, though, the point. You know, even if Cleveland would have scored to make it 16-10, chances are with a minute and a half, Kansas City is going to go down the field and kick a field goal. You know Kansas City is good enough to do that. With Mahomes, you know, still playing at that point. So it really, you know, it was a big play, but – it, you'll never convince me that would have been a 16-10 game at halftime with a minute and a half left. There's no way. And Kansas City was moving the football up and down the field. They didn't score because they were missing field goals, uh, not because the Cleveland Browns were forcing them to punt. And uh, you can count on one hand. I think there were only a couple of punts in the game, a total. So to count on Kansas City not scoring and Cleveland's defense to rise up in the final minute and a half, eh, not happening. So th that's number one. Number two. Uh, Higgins, you know, apparently got uh, speared uh, by uh, the safety of Daniel Sorensen, who committed a personal foul penalty by lowering his helmet to initiate contact on Higgins. Replay showed that, you know, he may have been contacted helmet to helmet. And even their rules analyst Gene Sterator came on and said, yeah, there should have been a penalty. Listen, Gene, listen, CBS, listen, Tonio, listen, Jim. There's a reason why that play is not reviewable because I'm sure millions of people around the country were saying, how come you can't review that? Why can't you review that? Why don't they go to review? Well, you can't review that. Why not? Why not? Because it happens every play. That's why not. There's a reason why you can't replay and review rather holding penalties. Why? Because there's a holding penalty in every play. There's a reason why you can't review offsides penalties. Why? Because one defensive lineman, basically every other play, lines up offsides. Every other play. There's a reason why you can't replay helmet-to-helmet -helmet hits. Why? Because it happens every other play. You, th these football games would take five hours to play, and you would have a penalty on every play. That is why. NFL will never admit that, but... Think about it. Why, why wouldn't you be able to, uh, you know, review a serious play like a helmet-to-helmet? -helmet? That's a 15-yard penalty. That's an ejection in some cases. You know, why wouldn't you be able to review that, Scott? That, that's why. Because they would be reviewing every single play. Because every single play, there's helmet-to-helmet. -helmet. You know, why can't you hit helmet-to-helmet -helmet on a running back, but you can't on a wide receiver? I mean, some of this stuff makes no sense. You can hit helmet-to-helmet -helmet on a defense or offensive lineman, but you can't on a wide receiver. Why not? I don't know. Isn't his head worth just as much as the wide receivers? Yeah, but because it happens every play. And that's why you can't review it. You know, if the Mopes on TV, Nance and Romo, who I'm not too thrilled with anymore, you know, if, if they were had any kind of brains, they would have brought that up and explained it to you because I'm sure that's what all of America was asking. Why can't you, you know, did they ask Sterator that? Why can't you review that, Gene? You've been part of the league a long time. You've been one of the referee leaders. You know, why do you think that's non-reviewable? It's such a serious play, 15-yard penalty. That's why. NFL knows. They're not idiots. It, can you imagine if you could review holding penalties? Uh, you, you'd be there all day. Same thing, you know, with helmet to helmet. Go take out a football game. Make a point of watching 
the helmet to helmets. It's it's every play. You can't avoid it. You know that they just call the ones that are so obvious and out in the open. This one wasn't obvious. You got two guys diving towards the corner of the end zone. You know, one guy with the football trying to you know lunge the ball out for a score, <clears throat> and a defensive back who's trying to knock the guy uh, out of bounds. It, it wasn't done as a spearing or leading with the helmet. I hate to break it to you, but try tackling someone when you're diving face forward without your head in the way. I mean, you just you can't do it. It's impossible. Your head is on your shoulder. What are you gonna do? Uh, it wasn't used though as a spear. So. Those who wanted that, you know, penalty called, it was a good non-call. Uh, that, that's the bottom line. Didn't work in the Browns' favor, but you know what? I am A-OK with no call there. I really am. And you can't review it because you'd be there forever. All right, opposite picks on this Monday. Just getting started. Talking to the NFL. More coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Second and 19. There's Kelsey at the 10. For the touchdown, Travis Kelsey. Before he runs an out route, so they come right back. Boom, stop, come right back in. I mean, and then finish the play with the diving. Yeah, staying airborne long enough. Back. All right, opposite picks on this Monday, January 18th. Yours truly, Martin Luther King Day, standing in, taking it right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. CBS again with the call there as Kansas City knocks off Cleveland 22-17. You know, you think about it, uh, you know, it was a rough weekend for fantasy players, that's for sure. Green Bay, okay, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably had the best game of any quarterback. He goes uh, 23 of 36 for 296 and two touchdowns. Uh, Jared Goff throws for 174 yards. Josh Allen throws for 206. Lamar Jackson can't finish the football game. Pat Mahomes can't finish the football game. Uh, Baker Mayfield, what did he end up throwing for? Uh, Lousy 204 yards. Tom Brady throws for a buck 99, and Drew Brees throws for basically 203 interceptions. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> you and I could have played quarterback better than some of the – you're talking about some of the all-time, all-time greats and some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? I mean, not a one. What, what it, The odds would have been on FanDuel for Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Baker Mayfield to a lesser extent, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, and uh, again to a lesser extent, Lamar Jackson, none of them throwing for 300 yards. You know, FanDuel's got a ton of props, and, and I love it, you know, searching through some of this stuff. I didn't see that one. I, I saw, you know, who would throw for the most yards. You know, would a quarterback throw for 500 yards? Would two guys throw for 400, this, that, what have you? I did not see that prop. I wonder what kind of I – mean, maybe it was there because they have so many, and they have different categories of what props will pay you off. They, they, they break them up into props that will pay 5 to 1, props that will pay, you know, up to 10 to 1 and up to 20 to 1 and, and, and so on, all the way up to 50 to 1. Maybe it was way up there that they would actually have had that, but not one. Aaron, Aaron came to closest 296, uh, but the other guys didn't even come close. I mean, like Josh Allen, 206 yards, you know, Brady, a buck 99. 
Uh, Drew Brees ended up throwing for what, 200 yards or so? Where is he? Uh, Buck 34 even, not not even close. I mean, it's just remarkable. What are the odds of Brady, Brees, um, Allen, would Baker throw for? A buck something, I said. Uh, Baker, Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, not even throwing for 210 yards. Baker ended up with 204. I mean, it, really, the numbers were just not good this weekend. Not good at all for as good as these guys were. Um, but you know what? Uh, congrats to Kansas City and congrats to Tampa Bay. It doesn't matter about the numbers. It matters about whether they won or they lost and they did win. And I'll tell you, if you're Cleveland, I mentioned it uh, Sunday with the uh, Ravens. And to a lesser extent with Cleveland. If you're Baltimore, you know, everything that you accomplished last weekend by beating Tennessee, you know, getting the monkey off Lamar Jackson's back, no worries about not being able to win in the postseason. You know, he showed he can get it done. You know, he had lost and gone 0-3 in the postseason. My goodness, this offseason would have been just horrific for Jackson and the Ravens. So that they, you know, exercised that demon. But then he played so poorly and then gets hurt anyway. But they weren't winning that football game. They really weren't. Whether he got hurt or not, he was playing lousy. You know, that that pick six was obviously just a complete dagger. But even before that, he was not playing well against a mediocre at best, mediocre at best Bills defense. So now you have the naysayers coming back to life. They all went away after they beat Tennessee. Good road win. But he was so bad, and that offense was so bad, that now all the people are right back on the bandwagon of he can't win in the postseason. That's the guy that Bill Polian was referencing to when he said three years ago he's not going to be a successful NFL quarterback. He can't drop back and pass. So uh, for all those you know pluses last week, it kind of got thrown out the window Saturday. Cleveland, not quite that. You know, they, they did get to the postseason for the first time in eons. They got a nice win last week. The loss, though, this week is, is as frustrating as frustrating can be in that it was there for them. They had a chance. They, they, they really did. I'm surprised they punted the football. They had fourth and nine right around their own 35-yard line with four and a half minutes left. I get it. It's not a horrendous mistake. You got a backup quarterback in there. You have a couple of timeouts. They're going to need two first downs. And plus the two-minute warning, you know, I'll, I'll take my chances that we could stop them and get the football back again, but they never did. They got the two first downs. I would have gone for it because you were only down five. And this is my philosophy. You guys know it with, with onside kicks and everything. If you don't get it, all right, you hand the chef's great field position. I'm going to count on with the backup quarterback them only kicking a field goal, though. And I'm still going to be only down eight. Again, forget about the score. Think about the possessions. I'm still only down one possession. If the field goal would have made it a two-score game, then I punt the ball away. But knowing in the back of my mind, listen, uh, and I got a field goal kicker across the street here that uh, has already missed one extra point and one short field goal. So even if they get in position to kick a field goal, it's no gimme. So with that, knowing I still had a field goal to give, I would have gone for it. I would have gone for it, you know. But I, it's not a, an egregious mistake, but I just, you know, I put them in different categories. Uh, I'm not going to kill Stefanski because the backup was there. I get that. But personally, I would have gone for it. And, and in the world of analytics, the key is, can I give up a field goal and still be within score? And if the answer is yes, then I go for it. It's as simple as that. 
And if you punt the ball away, you're under the premise your defense is going to stop them and you're going to get the ball back, right? That's why you punt it away. Well, I've, I've asked this a zillion times. Why can't you use that same philosophy if you go for it on fourth down and don't get it? Count on your defense to stop them. Maybe they kick a long field goal, but the idea is to go three and out, which they would not have been in field goal range. And even if they do, you, you still get the ball down eight. I mean, it, it, it's, it's simple, basic, first grade kindergarten arithmetic. It really is. That's where all the, you know, that they pay these guys hundreds of thousands of dollars I'm sure computer programs, millions of dollars to come up with all these analytics and figure this and figure that. You don't have to be a genius. I can give up a field goal and still be down one score. So let's go for it then. It's not that difficult. It's four and a half minutes left. You know, if your offense is your key, and it is, you know, I don't see any Miles Garrett commercials, do you? Around America? No. I see Baker Mayfield commercials, though. You know, I, I don't see any Miles Garrett commercials. I don't see any other Browns defensive commercials nationally. I see Baker Mayfield put the ball in Baker's hand. I see Jarvis Landry making eight figures. I see Nick Chubb about to make eight figures when he becomes a free agent. I see Kareem Hunt signing with a free agent on the offense. I see offense, offense, offense. I see uh, the first-round draft choice at the first-round draft choice on the offense. I see the first overall pick behind center. And you're going to tell all those guys we're punting the ball away. Fourth and nine. Fourth and seven, actually. No, I I, I go for it. I, I, I do go. I, I You know what? They, to me, they made a mistake there. Um, not, a, not a critical, absolute, this is just stupid beyond belief mistake, but a mistake in my eyes just the same. Use analytics to your favor. It's as simple as that. So, Kansas City did go for it at one time, and it helped them out. And, and as far as the injury is concerned, you know, you got to cross your fingers. It, it looked bad. I mean, he was as wobbly as wobbly can be. That is one of those games that without the concussion protocol, sounds like he would have been back in there. Even Andy Reid said afterwards that, like, he was all all set to go and everything. And, you know, we were going to – he wanted to go back in the game. He ran into the locker room. You know, he was as wobbly as wobbly can be when he got off the field. Um, and you knew right away that was it. He, he was not coming back. Not in today's NFL. No, 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 no. 1980, 1990, yeah, give him a couple of smelling salts, and he'll be back out there in five minutes. But not, they were not going to allow him back on the football field. So now you just have to hope that the concussion stuff doesn't linger until next week. Because uh, Although I will say this about Chad Hemme, and, and they were going gaga. And listen, it's a great story. You know, a terrific story. He hasn't played in a long time. Um, you know, but this is why you do play your backups that final week. You know, he got to play the last week of the regular season against the Chargers. Now, they lost the football game, but I can't help but think at least having that one game of recent experience had to help him. He's not, a, 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 you know, he, he's not like uh, Hundley with, with the Baltimore Ravens. This guy's been in the league a long time. He was a starter for the Dolphins. He was a second-round pick. You know, I mean, he's not a schlop that no one's ever heard of and, and you know, probably shouldn't be in the league. He's had some success, some failures, so he's an experienced backup. So I'm not surprised they were able to do fairly well with him in there, to tell you the truth. I don't think they would beat Buffalo uh, with him in there, albeit at home. But, uh, you know, for one game, for for basically a quarter, he should have been good enough to get it done. I mean, there is a reason why you're on an NFL roster. It's not just to hold the clipboard. Uh, it's not just to be buddy buddies with the starting, you know, quarterback. You, you mean if, if counted on, you got to be able to come through and perform. And, and he did that. That third down run, third and fourteen, that was terrific. That really was. Uh, you know, 
Um, it's too bad there weren't 75,000 fans in the stand. That place would have been going bonkers. Now, as it turns out, he was a half a yard shy. And then that fourth down play, that's where Andy Reid gets his his knocks. That, you know, that that's where he gets his his notches, I should say, not knocks. But well, I tell you what, um, I didn't think they were gonna they ran it to perfection. It's amazing. When I was back in college, I've told this story before, you know, with my LLs. Um, I, there was a head coach at Southern Illinois who used to do things like that. And I, I pride myself on coming up with little gimmicks. And I say, boy, if I was a head coach, I'd do this. You know, if I was a head coach, I'd do that. And there was one particular play that I always said, boy, this is such a great play. And he actually did it in a championship game. In that there was about a minute left before the first half ended, and they were up a couple of scores. Told his team, middle left, just, just take a knee on first down, no big deal. Team takes a knee on first down, right? So the defense lacks. You know, you line up the next down like you're going to take a knee and go into halftime, right? Instead, he lines up like he's going to take a knee again. Defense isn't really prepared. And they throw a bomb for a touchdown just before the half ends. And I and I always said, boy, if the team was smart enough to do that, you lull the defense into thinking the, the half's over, game's over, or not game's over, but the half is over, right? So Andy Reid did that yesterday, uh, and I give him a lot of credit. It's fourth down, and I and I give Henny a lot of credit as well because you have to act this out, and he acted it out perfectly. He really did. Little nuances of that fourth down play, fourth and one. Most people thought when they lined up at the line of scrimmage, they were going to try and draw Cleveland off sides. Second left, you call a timeout, then figure out what you're going to do on fourth down, right? So they come out of the huddle, plenty of time left on the play clock, which was the key. There was about 20 seconds. So there's Kenny just standing there, just, you know, kind of waiting for the play clock to go down. And then it was about 10 seconds or so before the play clock was at zero. And then he gets to the line of scrimmage, and he starts barking out the signals like he's trying to draw Cleveland off sides. No one again, nobody but nobody's expecting them to actually run a play, and they run a play, and they get the first down. As Tyree Kill, somehow or another, uh, the first or second best option, you know, him or, uh, or Travis Kelsey, was wide, wide open first down ball game. And I, th- I said, that's... That is a great design play. That, you know, all that stuff was done on purpose. Get out of the huddle quickly. Get to the line of scrimmage. Stand there like you're just waiting for the play clock to go down to zero. And then snap the football. Very nice, Kansas City. Very nice. Well done, my friend. Very well done. And you, could, you trick the Browns into being the Browns. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Jim Nance likes Tony Romo. I, I, I really, I don't think they get along. Um, I get into some of the TV stuff. You know, that's always kind of a pet peeve of mine. I enjoy, you know, analyzing what these guys say and do and everything. Well, we'll break it all down this weekend. Uh, 
But I, I don't, yeah, I don't think Nance really likes Romo. And I don't think Romo, more importantly, respects. I won't say likes. I don't think Romo respects Nance at all. Not at all. I'll explain uh, after the top of the hour uh, update. But our poll question is out. <clears throat> Final four is set. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Popcorn Radio at its uh, finest. We got the uh, Brady's boys, the Buccaneers, leading the way at 33% uh, of the vote. We got uh, Green Bay getting 31% of the vote. We got the Flubbo Bills getting 21%, and then the Kansas City Chefs getting 14% of the vote. So, so far, it's uh, a Brady love fest, uh, which I kind of figured, to tell you the truth. So go to your opposite picks feed on Twitter, O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, picks, P-I-C-K-S. Get your vote in. And then we'll update that a couple of more times before we are through. So, yeah, I, I kind of figured that. You know, it is amazing. Uh, you know, my daughter uh, just it despises Brady. Uh, I'm not sure why because, uh, you know, she really is not a uh, – uh, well, she's a Dolphin fan because I am, but she's really a Giants fan. So, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, she just, you know, she was so pissed off yesterday that, that he won. You could be the Brady, the biggest Brady basher, and you could say deflate gate and all that other nonsense, right? I, and I'm, whatever. But you got to admit, 43 years old and he's going to an NFC championship game. You know, he goes to a team that hasn't won squat in eons and he's turned them into winners. He really has. I mean, it is amazing. The guy is just unbelievable. He is just unbelievable. Remarkable. All right, one hour in the books, one to go. But keep it where it is. Scott Wetzel on this Monday morning on Sportsman Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204.